Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 27 of Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today we have a really, really good episode for you. But we'll start with the NFL. And what is the NFL without injuries? Josh, give us some injury updates. Okay, so this week in the NFL, we've had some big injuries. And we have a big, and we have someone returning to the NFL who's very key to our team's success. So number one, at... Zach Prescott sadly was carted off the field due to injury um, in the middle of last week's game. And Zach Prescott was on track to have the most successful passing season of all time, so it is very sad that he got injured. Also, Chris Godwin, um, star receiver for the Buccaneers, is returning from injury this week and will play um, will play on Sunday. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo got injured got re-injured um, during the game um, during the, got, got re-injured during the game last week and will not play this week and um, and I don't think he will play for a few more weeks um, after this and also um, Michael Thomas got had a little stint with a teammate um, during practice last week because his teammate called him quote slant boy so he punched him and he was benched during the game yes josh thank you for those good injury updates now we know who is the nba champion and i don't want to keep you in the dark for any longer it's not the miami heat it's the los angeles lakers that's right the los angeles lakers are have hoisted that trophy lebron james wins another championship anthony davis wins his First, the Lakers. They are the team to beat. And they won. They won their 17th championship in franchise history, which is tied for the most all-time. Congratulations to all Lakers fans, and sorry to all the Heat fans. Yeah, sorry to the Heat fans. That's pretty much the bottom line. Now, some really big news in the NBA. Obviously, the number one free agent this offseason is Giannis Antetokounmpo. And... He did not sign yet, but the number two biggest free agent, Anthony Davis, announced right after he won the championship. Next season, he will re-sign with the Lakers. He'll be playing for the Lakers next season, and they're probably going to win the championship again. Now, in a little bit lesser news in the NBA, former Cavaliers coach Tyron Lue, who coached LeBron James to a couple of championships, just signed to be the Clippers head coach along with longtime Nuggets and Pistons player Chauncey Billups. Andrew, what do you think that means for the Clippers? Well, yeah, Vine, a lot of people, there have been a ton of rumors going around that the Clippers may try to give away Paul George to maybe a team like the Nets or maybe the Warriors or maybe the Mavericks. And I definitely think that Tyvon Lue is definitely one man who likes to trade away, as we saw what he did with LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, who now is a huge trade. Yeah, now, Andrew, do we know any news about the free agency of Giannis Antetokounmpo, or are we still pretty much in the dark? Ryan, we are mostly in the dark, but we do know that the Mavericks have said that they really, really want Giannis and will be in hot pursuit of him. And Giannis has not turned down that he wants to go with the Mavericks, but he hasn't really said, like, I want to go with the Mavericks super badly, or please, Mavericks, please sign me. So we'll see about that. Obviously, the Bucks will most likely want to re-sign him. The Warriors have shown many interest in signing him. And one team that I've heard maybe wants to make a run of him but isn't sure is the Phoenix Suns to pair him up with star young small forward 
Devin Booker. Now, Vine, let's move on to the MLB. No, you don't have a World Series champion yet, or the World Series matchup isn't even set. Very weirdly, both series went to Game 7s. But, as some people know, the AL had the first game in the series, so they have already crowned their champion and know who's headed to the World Series this year. It is the Houston Astros. Nope, luckily, it is not. America, you can be happy that the team going to the World Series is not a cheating team. It's the Tampa Bay Rays. They were up 3-0, then lost the last three. 3-3. Game 7 was last night, and after an amazing outing by Charlie Morton, and another home run by Randy Arozarena, who, might I add, won the MVP of the ALCS. Only a seventh player all-time did seven home runs before the World Series. The only rookie position player to ever win MVP in a league, C.S. Ryan. We don't know who is going to win the series for the Dodgers or the Braves tonight. Game 7 is tonight, but Ryan, do you think the Braves can take on either one of them in the World Series? Well, the Rays, they're huge underdogs coming into the playoffs. In the first round, they played the Blue Jays. Everyone said, but the Blue Jays don't belong here. And I couldn't agree more. But I didn't think the Rays did. And they've proved everyone wrong. When you look at that hitting lineup, wow, they have a second baseman who has never made an All-Star game. They have an outfielder in Austin Meadows who made one All-Star game last year and this year. Didn't play for half the season and was terrible? Wow, you have a rookie who's played like 15 games and for some reason just is starting hitting like a home run every other game? Like, fine, maybe, maybe that's a playoff team, but not a World Series contender. But for them, it's all about the pitching. Andrew, why is their pitching so good? Yeah, Vine, the main reason is because they just have every single pitcher is very, very talented. They don't have the top pitcher in link. They don't have any Garrett Coles, Jacob DeGrom type guys. But Charlie Morton is a fine ace. He's a pretty good number one pitcher. Then you might say, okay, number two, probably a little bit worse. Blake Snell. If he's on his game, which he was in a couple of starts this season, he probably is a top ten pitcher in the entire league. Then in number three, rising young star Tyler Glasnow, who has shown some of the best strikeout pitches in all of baseball this year. Then at the first start, which I'm not sure if they're putting him into the bullpen, Ryan Yarrow, a great young lefty who has had some really good starts this season. And their bullpen doesn't have any dominant arms, doesn't have any Josh Haters or uh, Kenley Jansons or Roy Shamans, but they have a lot of, lot of decent arms. Ryan, let's move on to the other series, the NLCS Braves versus Atlanta. Atlanta was up 3-1 in, oh, sorry, the Braves versus the Dodgers. Ryan, Atlanta was up 3-1. Dodgers won the last two. Game 7 tonight. I'm pretty sure the pitching matchup is Ian Anderson versus Clayton Kershaw. Ryan, who do you have winning this series and taking on the Rays in the World Series? Well, we will decide this game at the end of the podcast, so I'm not going to spoil that right now. But the Braves have young rookie Ian Anderson making his most important start ever. And the Dodgers, they don't actually know who they're going to pitch. They've said that they are not starting Clayton Kershaw, their ace, but he may come in in relief if need be. And they will either be starting young starter Dustin May or veteran Tony Gonsolin tonight. Or they might start someone else who I don't know. But I think it's all going to come down to will the Dodgers' bats come alive? Almost every single game in the series for them has been a blowout. And you might think, oh, well, probably one team, every time they won, it was a blowout. But no, Braves have won 
two blowouts. Dodgers have won two blowouts. So, which team's going to blow them out tonight? I don't know. We'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. Yeah, definitely the World Series will be a very good matchup. Now, let's circle back to the NFL. Vine, two undefeated teams lost last week. So that means there are only four undefeated teams left. Those teams are the Seahawks, the Packers, the Titans, and the Steelers. That's right. The Chiefs lost. And you might say, okay, fine. Lost to a pretty good team. I don't know if this team's good. They lost to the Raiders. And also, the other undefeated team that I did not put in that mix was the Bills, who lost to the Titans, who are undefeated, but the Titans were coming off a very long, a very long no games because of there were so many positive tests. Right. Do you think either of these losses were okay? Or do you think these teams may not even be playoff teams? Well, I think for the Bills, it was okay. Because, don't get me wrong, they probably should have won this game, but they had a lot of injuries. They're starting, they're probably a, maybe the best cornerback in the entire league, Tredavious White, the Bills' starting cornerback, was not there. And the Titans' number one wide receiver, who would have been guarded by the Bills' number one cornerback, who was not there, feasted. The Titans' wide receiver, A.J. Brown, young player, feasted on the really banged-up Bills' secondary. And if you don't know, that's cornerbacks and safeties. Also, the Bills' defense was ravaged with injuries. And Derrick Henry, probably top 10 running back in the entire NFL for the Titans, dominated. And the best part of the game, there was a huge, huge stiff arm for running back Derrick Henry, where he was running to the edge. And the Bills' cornerback, Josh Norman, tries to cut him off at the edge. And Derrick Henry just takes his left arm, puts his left hand on his shoulder, and throws him in to the sideline. Josh Norman rolls about 10 feet. Don't worry, he's not injured, but it was crazy. Legend has it, he is still falling and is still feeling the shockwaves of Derrick Henry's amazing stiff arm. Now, let's get to some teams who just cannot find the win column. The Falcons lost again. They are now 0 and 5. Hopefully the Vikings can take them on in this week and make them 0 and 6. Another um, teams that have not won this year are the two New York teams. Sorry if you're a Giants fan or a Jets fan, but you're probably a Yankees fan, so I don't feel that bad for you. Yeah, both teams are 0-5 for a combined 0-10. Obviously, we all know that the Jets cannot do anything under not-great coach Adam Gase, who Ryan and I both do not really like that much, and under injured quarterback Sam Darnold, who won't even get the start this week. Obviously, with the Giants... Their team is basically just Saquon Barkley. And when he goes down, the team is basically dead. Vine, any of these teams that haven't lost yet seem like they might miss the playoffs? Or any of these teams that haven't won yet seem like they could really turn the season around? Well, personally, I feel like the Falcons might be able to turn it around. Don't get me wrong. It's a big long shot. But the Falcons' um, defense has been a little ravaged with injury where they're first round pick from this year was on the COVID-19 list. Don't be scared. He did not have the virus. Just he might have been um, exposed to someone who had it. So he has not been able to play, I don't think, at all this season yet. So I think he should be back soon. Also, top five wide receiver in the entire NFL, Julio Jones for them. He's had many hamstring injuries, many knee injuries, many leg injuries over his career. But this season, his 
hamstring injuries have come back to haunt him, where he has only been able to play one game fully in the first week of the season, where they had a really tough matchup. So I think they have a chance to turn it around. Their division is terrible. They have a chance. Yeah, definitely the Falcons could definitely make a run. In other huge news in the NFL relating to the Jets, their struggles continue. They really tried to find a trade suitor for star running back Le'Veon Bell, but... No one wanted them. No one would even give them a late-round draft pick. So they decide to drop Le'Veon Bell. That's right. They couldn't find anyone who wanted him, so they dropped him. And he was picked up, I believe, that afternoon or the next day by a very talented team. That team was the Minnesota Vikings. No, asking. It was the Kansas City Chiefs. Le'Veon Bell really, really wants to win a Super Bowl, and he thinks the Chiefs are the best team to do that with. We are not sure the timeshare between him and young superstar running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but we will definitely see that come next Sunday. This Sunday, Bell, since he signed, I believe, on Friday or maybe even Thursday, it was too late to play in this week's game, but we'll definitely see both of them in next week's game. Chiefs are a super team. Now, let's move on to some other very, very important news in the NFL. Ryan, there are some really great games today that I don't want to go into too much detail, but the Steelers' first bounce uh, should actually have a good game. As some of you remember, the last time they fought, or the last time, <laughs> sorry, I kind of spoiled it, the last time they played, Miles Garrett got into a very big fight with quarterback Mason Rudolph after taking... And the Browns defensive end, Miles Rudolph, Miles Garrett, took off the quarterback's helmet and tried to hit him on the head with it, and then was suspended for the rest of the season. Hopefully, Rudolph does not have to enter the game for the injured Ben Roethlisberger. Hopefully, he doesn't get injured, and hopefully, Garrett does not hit anyone else on the helmet. Ryan, there are some other good games, like the Panthers versus, like, the Packers versus the Bucks. Yeah, the Packers and Buccaneers have a big NFC showdown where we will really see if the Packers are the real deal. They haven't played any amazing teams, but they did beat the Saints pretty handily. And I guess this game will probably prove a lot now that the Buccaneers are hit decently full strength, but they're still a little banged up. Now, Andrew, at the beginning of the season, there was tons of talk about rookies. Let's check in with some of the top rookies. Andrew, number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. Through five weeks... How's it going? Is he living up to that number one hype? In my opinion, I don't think he's living up to the number one hype. He is definitely having a good season. I'd say definitely top 10 season. But in my opinion, I don't think he's really giving a lot of fans what they wanted, especially what he gave them at LSU. Sorry, but there was no way he could bring that end to the NFL, and we were all right. He's doing decent. He's throwing for maybe about 250 yards a game, maybe about two touchdowns on average. But his team's not winning. That's a big problem. Burrow's playing decent, but not good enough. Some other top-level picks were the second and third pick in the draft. Chase Young and Jeff Okuda, defensive players out of Ohio State, are both doing well. Chase Young had a great first game, then just returned last week, had a pretty good game. Jeff Okuda was injured for a couple games as well, but has been pretty well for the Lions. Now, just the two other quarterbacks that might actually have a chance at playing this year. Tua Tagovailoa has not gotten into a game yet for the Dolphins. Maybe it won't this season. But Justin Herbert has been doing amazing for the Chargers. Yes, they are not winning whatsoever. But 
he is still having a pretty good year, throwing for about an average of about 300 yards per game in two or three touchdowns. We will not know if when Tyrod Taylor is 100% healthy, if Anthony Run will make the switch once more back to Tyrod Taylor, since Taylor is 1-0 this season, Herbert is 0-4, but Herbert is definitely playing better. Yeah, now that is really good, but there are a couple rookie running backs and rookie wide receivers that I want to highlight. Right now, the big three wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs. It looks like in the draft, Henry Ruggs was taken first, Jerry Judy second, and CeeDee Lamb third. How is that order turning out, Andrew? Yeah, in my opinion, I already knew this would not be the correct order. I really thought that CeeDee Lamb would be the top wide receiver in the draft and that he would turn into a superstar. And hey, for once in my life, I was right. CeeDee Lamb is having a very good season averaging about 75 yards per game and almost a touchdown per week. Very impressive by CeeDee Lamb in a very crowded Cowboys wide receiving room. But when your quarterback, Dak Prescott, is throwing 500 yards a game, that's helpful. But we'll see how he does with Andy Dalton. Now, next wide receiver, Jerry Judy, who is taken by the Denver Broncos, has been doing very well. He is a very talented wide receiver, and especially with their number one wideout, Cortland Sun gone. That will help, but quarterback troubles... Not sure if they can even get the ball that deep. So, he's been doing well, but I wouldn't say good enough. Henry Ruggs, the Raiders' 13th pick in the draft, is a huge deep threat. Last week, he had, I believe, 115 yards on two catches. That's right, two catches. He is a huge deep threat and could really give them that downfield guy. But sorry, two catches? 13th pick in the draft? That's not what I want. Yeah, now there were three running backs that looked really good coming into the draft this year. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire by the Chiefs, Jonathan Taylor by the Colts, and DeAndre Swift by the Lions. None of them are that amazing. Andrew, can you tell us more? Well, yeah. The final guy out of those was DeAndre Swift. We knew that he'd probably be in a timeshare with Kerryon Johnson in Detroit, but we were wrong. It's Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson is the lead back for the Lions this year. Swift is looking like the pass-catching running back, but as we've told you from week one, he can't catch. He's not a pass-catching running back. He's a decent running running back, and that at least. I don't know. He's not doing great. Jonathan Terra from the Colts had a very good week, too, but other than that, hasn't really found that much running room. I mean, yeah, the Colts are mostly giving him the ball since I believe they're 3-2. and two. Uh, Pretty good times where he has the ball, but... He is just not showing a lot. Clyde edwards who a lot of people thought would be one of the next amazing running backs, maybe Saquon Barkley, maybe Christian McCaffrey, hasn't really shined that much. The Chiefs are giving it to him a little more in the running game than some people thought, but with the new addition of Le'Veon Bell and Patrick Mahomes really heating up, I don't know if they're even going to give him the ball 10, 12 times per game. Yeah, so Andrew, now I'll just give you 20 seconds. Who is your offensive and defensive rookie of the year? Ryan, I have to go on offense. My offensive rookie of the year is Justin Herbert. I feel like, yes, he has not won a game yet, but he is just doing too well. And don't get me wrong, quarterbacks usually aren't doing amazing, but they've won offensive rookie of the year basically just about every year, even if they're not very good. My defensive player of the year has to be Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen. He is so good, I believe. He had a touchdown last week and has so many skills. 
I don't want to get on a tangent, but I was playing with him and Madden yesterday, and oh my god, he's so fast, he's so good, this guy has to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, Vine, I'll give you 20 seconds, who are your Offensive and Defensive Rookies of the Year? Well, I have to go with Joe Burrow on offense, don't get me wrong, Herbert has maybe been playing better, but Herbert has a little bit better things to work with, better offensive line, better wide receivers, better defense to keep him off the field, but Burrow, he's making a lot out of nothing, don't get me wrong. If I really had to choose who is the better player, probably Herbert. But who is the most valuable player for their team? Probably Burrow. He's been helping his team and putting them in a position where they have a decent chance to win each game. Don't get me wrong, they're never winning. But they have a good chance. And on defense, I have to go with Chase Young. I know he's only played two games, but he has been so dominant in those two games. Don't get me wrong. If I had to pick today and the voting actually happened, probably not. Since, again, he's only played two games. But at the end of the season, if he can rack up 10 games of two sacks, oh, he's a lock. Yeah, definitely the NFL is going to have some great games today. Now, let's move on to some sad news. When we're talking about the injuries with Josh, he did a great job. But we also have talked to you about some COVID news. Obviously, as you know, the Titans actually had the game last week, so that is good news. But some bad news, the Patriots have many positive tests, and even the Denver Broncos, their opponent this week, have at least one positive test. This game is extremely, extremely doubtful, but we do not know if it will happen. I really hope this game will happen, since it was already postponed last week, but I don't know. The Jacksonville Jaguars have 13 total positive COVID tests. Their game today is extremely is in question. We do not know if it's going to play. It probably will happen, even though all those COVID tests, but we will have to keep watch on both of those games. Also, all of the Jacksonville tests were on the practice squad. None of those guys were actually going to play in the NFL game unless, like, a car wiped out, like, the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth string quarterbacks. But the Jacksonville starting defensive lineman, who I forgot his name, I think it might start with an M, he was put on the COVID-19 list for not testing positive, but being exposed to someone, so we'll have to follow that story closely. And also, when Josh said that um, quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo was injured, um, it may seem that way since he was coming off an injury, but he came in the game and threw like four interceptions, so he was actually benched for backup quarterback C.J. Beathard, who may or may not start this week. We will see. The Broncos quarterback Drew Locke may be back from injury this week. So we'll have to see what happens there and is probably going to play for them. Yeah, definitely a lot of news in the NFL. Hoping that there are not many more positive tests. Now, let's get down to business with the Minnesota sports teams, the Twins. Yes, sadly, season is still over. Houston has not been caught cheating yet. And the Twins are not back in the playoffs. But we can always focus on next season. Vine, two really big Positions, players, just all-around players that we might need to re-sign in the outfield. Byron Buxton and Eddie Rosario both have options to leave or are free agents. And on the starting pitching, Jose Barrios has an option to leave. Probably won't leave, but he has an option too. And Jake Odorizzi is a free agent. Ryan, which two of these guys do you feel like it is more important to sign? Well, personally, Eddie Rosario is probably better than Byron Buxton. But Byron Buxton has heart. Byron Buxton has natural talent. You can't teach that. Byron Buxton is willing to give up his body. He's willing to take 
two months off from baseball because of an injury just to make the game-winning catch. He plays every single ball like it's the last out in Game 7 of the World Series. Byron Buxton works his butt off. Don't get me wrong. And Rosario is a lot better. But also for the price they're going to come at. Rosario will be a lot more expensive than Buxton. Personally, when we have as little money as the Twins do, if you have a guy who's willing to work for it and not take a lot of money, I think we need to go after Buxton. Also, Barrios has looked great in his first couple years, so I think we really need to go after him. Yeah, definitely, it's going to be a hard offseason choosing who we want and who we do not want. Now, let's get to the Tim Wolves. The season is, I think, about two or three months away, but the draft is very soon in only about a month, maybe even less than a month, than free agency. Vine, we all know that the Tim Wolves are looking to get a win now player for the number one draft pick. Vine, we all know that they are definitely wanting to go after Simmons. Maybe Booker. Vine, any other guys come to mind right now that you think maybe we should try to trade for? Well, personally, I'm not really sure. But maybe we can go to the Raptors and try to get a good guy like Marcus Gasol. Right now, when I look at the Timberwolves, I said what we need is defense and height. Because right now, and I don't just mean power forward height. That would be nice, but center height would really be helpful. Carl Anthony Towns, don't get me wrong, he's a great center on offense. But on defense, oh, he, has, he just gives up a basket every time. And I'm not blaming him. He's a lot shorter and a lot smaller and a lot less strong than all other centers. And when they just back him down, back him down, right next to the basket, he either has to slap him on the wrist or they just dunk right over him. And when he slaps him on the wrist so many times, he's done for the game. And then we've got no chance at all. Yeah, definitely going to be a very hard offseason. Just real quick, in my opinion... I think maybe, I mean, obviously, we'd probably have to give up more than them one pick. But I'd say maybe let's try to look at Paul George. I don't know. I mean, obviously, he's very unhappy. Yeah, he probably does want to win a championship. And there's no way we're even going to contend for the playoffs probably next year. But I'd say if we can give them number one pick, maybe Jarrett Culver and James Johnson, maybe they'd accept it. Maybe we could get one of the top small forwards, 3 and D players in the league. Probably not, but just throwing it out there. Now, let's move on to the Vikings, who had a great game against the Seahawks last week. Sadly, could not come out with the victory, but hey, we lost by one to a team that is now 5-0. and oh, And sadly, not going to sound like this is good news, but Dalvin Cook came out after halftime with a uh, not very severe hamstring injury. Will not play this week, but should return after next week's bye week. But sorry, that's pretty impressive. To only lose by one. Yeah, I completely agree. The Vikings looked great. In the first half, our offense was clicking on all cylinders. Our passing game was working. Our running game was working. Our backup running back, Alexander Madison, had 120 yards. 120 yards and a touchdown. Russell Wilson only had, I believe, 47 yards in the first half. Our defense was the Seahawks quarterback. Russell Wilson has been amazing this season, but the Vikings' defense was actually good. But at the very beginning of the second half, the Seahawks said, we're not losing. That's not how we play. They scored 21 unanswered points, which means in a row when the Vikings can't do anything. And just from there, the Vikings had to get a crucial first down at the end of the game. They could not get it. Seahawks, you know what happens. They would win. They would 
get a touchdown on a couple very, very good plays by Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf. They're very talented young wide receiver. They won the game. Hopefully, the Vikings can get their second win of the season this week against the 0-5 Falcons, who may not even have their best player. But, go Vikings. Please do not go 1-5. and Now, here's Ryan with an update about a great person that he told a story about. Yeah, well, as you know, I've been telling many, many stories, and I think it's been about 20 to 30 and I've heard about 10 updates on people that I've told about. First of all, from a very, very sad story that I told. That was one of my first stories ever. Tyler Skaggs. He was a great young pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels and the MLB. But he passed away because of an overdose on a drug. And it has just been realized that the person who supplied him with the drug, who was one of the Angels coaches, was fired and is getting in some legal trouble for giving Skaggs those drugs. But I don't want to talk about the law and I don't want to talk about that stuff. What I do want to talk about is how well Cowboys defensive lineman Alden Smith has done. As I told you, he had taken two years off from the NFL because of some legal trouble, but now he has been amazing. He has so many sacks. I think he's leading the league in sacks. He just breaks through that offensive line immediately and gets right to that quarterback. And, as I think I told you last week, Alex Smith of the Washington football team was moved up one spot on the depth chart. That's the order of what QB goes into the game. Before, he was number three. And last week, he became number two. So one snap away, the quarterback gets an injury, and Alex Smith is in. And in the game. Obviously, they stink, so they were losing by about 20 points. Second quarter, their starting quarterback, Kyle Allen, for the Washington football team, runs toward the sign on, he's jogging out, and Rams superstar defensive tackle Aaron Donald crushes him, tackles his head, completely crushes him. And the quarterback, if he's injured and can't come back, Alex Smith is going in. The quarterback gets up. Everyone says, are you going back in, or is it Alex? And he goes, it's time for Alex. And Alex Smith. Went in the game. It's been two years since he played. When they almost had to take off his leg. What the comeback story. I think he should win comeback player of the year. And they should name the award after him. This is the definition of a comeback. Yeah. And Alex Smith rallied the Washington football team to down 20 points to win. Then get no, sorry. Alex Smith did not have a great performance. He threw for about 50 yards. But hey. He came back. Alex Smith is back. Probably won't start this week. Kyle Allen's probably fine. But hey, he was back. I am so happy for Alex and his entire family and that Washington football team. And again, watch the E60 of Alex Smith. Project 11, done by Stefania Bell. It is incredible, and you have to watch it. Project 11, E60, Alex Smith. Now, here is a story of a great baseball player. His name is Whitey Ford. He was born in New York in 1928, and at just five years young, he moved to Queens, right next to Yankee Stadium. He started in the Yankees minor league system when he loved baseball, when he was just 19 years young, and he worked his way up the ranks 
to make his major league debut just three years later as a starting pitcher in his rookie year. He won his first nine starts before losing one. He was very close to winning of the year, to winning rookie of the year, but lost to first baseman Walt Dropo. At the start of the next season, the Korean War had just started, and Whitey really wanted to help the country that he loved so dearly. He went to the military for 1951 and 1952, but after that, he rejoined the Yankees in 1953. The Yankees had built an incredible pitching staff with Ford as a large part of it. He then earned the nickname of the Chairman of the Board because striking because he was so good. And he always had a plan and was able to put it into action. And he was an incredible starting pitcher, striking out anyone who dared step into the batter's box. His pitches would jump around, and even though his fastball could barely be called fast, he was able to he was said to be able to throw a baseball in any spot he wanted whenever he wanted to. Ford worked very hard and won the award for best pitcher in the American League for many years. In 1961, he was the second best pitcher in baseball behind Sandy Koufax, who was one of the best of all time. And Whitey Ford then started to pitch in only a few games when he had a great matchup against the other lineup. And he was amazing. He was also famous for a pickoff move. He was left-handed, which meant he would look at first base before he pitched. And whenever one guy would take one step off the base, whoop! He's out. He throws over and he picks him off first base. Whitey was famous for not allowing any stolen bases. In 2019, the last real MLB season, the best lefty pitchers allowed a stolen base maybe every 10, maybe 20 if they are lucky. But now Whitey. In that time when he played in the 60s, or in, in the 50s, everyone stole. Everyone stole a base. There was tons of stealing. Ricky Henderson stole 130 bases in one season. But now when he played Whitey Ford, Whitey Ford holds the record for 243 consecutive innings without a stolen base. 243. That is crazy. And in 1963, Ford was a huge smoker, but he gave it up. His doctor told him his health was declining rapidly. And in 1967, just four short years later, after four more great years with the Yankees, at 38, Ford retired. Once he retired, he admitted to cheating a little bit while pitching. He would often purposely have his catcher get the ball very, very muddy to make it spin really weirdly. Also, Whitey made a lot of money pitching in the MLB. And for his wife, he had a very expensive, very beautiful wedding ring. And it was very, very sharp. And often, when Whitey was on the mound, he'd put the ball in his glove. He'd put the glove, his glove, right in front of his face. And he'd use his wedding ring to scratch the ball all over, make it really scratched up. That made it spin really well. And one reporter said, well, do you think it affected how you played? And he said, not even the slightest. And they would ask, well, why did you do it if it didn't affect it? And he'd say, you know what? I love my wife. I love baseball. You can't take anything away from me. I am one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And that probably would have been true if he didn't cheat. But no one can really prove it. So let's go with it. Whitey was an amazing pitcher for pretty much his entire career. 
During his career, Whitey won 10 World Series, more than any player in MLB history. He set many records in the World Series because he played in so many. And from 1954 to 1964, he made 8 All-Star games. In 74, he made the Hall of Fame. He's probably a top 60 player all-time in MLB history. From 1964 to 1975, he coached a little for the Yankees, being the pitching coach and first base coach. And in 1977, he started to become a broadcaster for the Yankees. Ten days ago, on, August, on October 8th, 2020, Whitey Ford was watching the Yankees play the Rays in the American League Divisional Series with his family when he passed away at the age of 91. He was the best living Yankee of all time 11 days ago. And he was the second oldest living member of the Hall of Fame 11 days ago. Whitey will be missed by everyone and remembered for his work on the baseball field. Well, not the cheating, but you know what I mean. Now, let's get to the birthday of the day. It's Mike Ditka. Yeah, that is correct. It's Mike Ditka's birthday. An amazing, amazing head coach for the Chicago Bears. You might say, Andrew, how could he be that amazing? Bears have never really been that good, and you'd be mistaken. He was basically their only good coach who led them to some actually really great seasons. Ditka was a great coach, and he was also a very funny one, but a very serious one. In a very, very funny, in a very important press conference, he made a very inspirational quote. If God gave us arms, why would we ever play soccer? Basically, what Ditka is saying is that we are people. We have arms. Why would we play a sport where we don't use arms, such as soccer? The goalie does use his arms, but that's kind of besides the point. Ditka was a huge football fan. And just kind of a funny story. He was in a movie that I'm guessing most of you haven't heard of. But I used to really, really like it. It's called Kicking and Screaming. Ditka was in it. And he helped out coach a soccer team alongside Will Ferrell, who is in the movie and the main character. Just kind of a funny story how he said, soccer doesn't make any sense. And then he's in a movie about soccer. But whatever. Happy birthday, Mike Ditka. And remember, if you have arms, use them for football. Happy birthday, Mike Ditka. Now, let's get to some predictions for the game. Ryan, tonight, game seven, Atlanta versus the Dodgers. Ryan, who's facing the vase in the World Series? I feel like the Braves, they want this more than anyone. Reese, in the past couple years, the Braves have not made it this far. Don't get me wrong. They've made the playoffs almost every year, but they don't make it this far. They, there's something different about this team. And if the Dodgers don't have a very good pitcher, I think the Braves can win this if they want it bad enough. But question is, do they? Yeah. Also, the Braves pitcher Ian Anderson, who I believe they're going to pitch tonight, has been lights out in the playoffs. And you might say, oh, come on, Andy, that's against terrible teams. But, uh, no, he pitched against the Dodgers, had an amazing outing, pitched against the Marlins, an even better outing, and has just been amazing in these playoffs and against the Vets, even had a better outing. I think that Ian Anderson is going to dominate tonight. Let's go, Braves! Let's go, Braves! And, if you couldn't tell, we kind of want the Braves. Yeah, just kind of a little bit. And, now, in the NFL, there are two Monday night games, but one of them is definitely superior. The Chiefs are playing the Bills. Both teams only have one last loss and refuse to make it two losses. Ryan, I know who you're going to say, but I want to hear it anyways. The Chiefs! The Chiefs are getting a couple star defensive players back this week. 
and the Bills? I don't know. That's right. I don't know. But I think the Chiefs will win this game because that offense is so good. Yes, they won with Le'Veon Bell, but Bulls just, there's something about them. I just don't really know what's going on with them. But the Chiefs, I know what's going on with them. They're winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I was pretty sure that I would say the Chiefs, and he did. But I definitely feel like the Bills might pull out this win. I feel like they are going to want, I feel like they just want this game so much more than the Chiefs do. Don't get me wrong. The Chiefs are a better team. That is obvious. I cannot disagree. But just Josh Allen. Stephon Diggs are not going to let this dream die. Even if Tredavious White is not on the field playing his heart out. Levi Walsh, Tremaine Edwards, Jordan Porter, Tremaine Edmonds. Just an amazing Bills defense is definitely going to show up against that hard, hard Chiefs offense. So I really want the Bills to win this game. Now, that is the end of our episode. But we're coming out with a new episode in just one week next Sunday where we may even know who wins World Series but we'll probably just know the matchup and how it's going fine by then just real fast any predictions for how the series will be going well I think that if the Dodgers win tonight they will be up they will beat the Rays they will be up in the series by two games whether that's 2-0 3-1 or 4-2 at the end but Braves win? That could be a really great series. I'm guessing they'll be tied. But we'll have to see what happens. And you need, you need, you need to tune in to next week's episode of Twin Talk MN.